All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. It is September 24th, 9 o'clock sharp, and the early birds get the worms. You guys are good birds, and you guys are here, and you guys are getting the worms. And uh, we love you so much for that. Thank you so much for being here this morning. As you guys know, we do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. We were going to try to do the video again this, uh, this Sunday, but once again, we had some internet issues, so we're just going to do audio again. So thank you all for being here. We really do appreciate it. We're just going to get going right away because um, this, uh, this is Matthew chapter 20, as you can see, we're going to do. Episode 86 of the Sunday Services. This is Matthew chapter 20. That's right, we're already 20 chapters through the book of Matthew. We've already done the entire book of Mark, all 21 chapters or something like that, whatever it was. It made a documentary on it, and now we're, what, three quarters or more? I don't know the math on it, but three quarters of the way through uh, the book of Matthew. And so that's pretty awesome. So thank you all to the people that have actually, you know, watched the sermons and, and paid attention and things like that. It's some good learning. So we're going to do Matthew chapter 20 today, the labors, the laborers in the vineyard. But before we get going, I want to say a few things, and then we'll do a prayer, and then we'll just launch into this bad boy. Um, this comes from Claudia Pavonis. This is something I posted on uh, my Instagram, and it says this. It says, truth does not need to be defended. It needs to be lived. And this is something I actually, uh, this came from an argument from uh, a guy or a, sort of a back and forth, if you will, basically talking about it. I was like, well, truth doesn't need any defense. And then this guy turned to me. He's like, well, truth always needs to be defended. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It needs to be lived. You don't like truth is not something that just is, you know, hanging out in the corner of some dusty room or whatever. And then you put it on your armor and you go defend it. No, you live that truth. And that's really what we need people to do. If, you know, in this world, it's like people want change and people want this and that sort of stuff. Well, you need to act it out. You need to live it. And that's one of the biggest issues that we have, I, I think. Um, I will say this, Jennifer and I are pretty much, you know, not entirely, but we don't really listen to too much anymore. As far as podcasts and, and you know, whatever, these cult of personalities or, I, you know, whatever it is, whoever it is online spouting what they're spouting. Because let's just face it, most of the people that are doing that, it's words, words, words. That's what it is. It's just words. Well, guess what? People are talking all the time and saying all sorts of nonsense live what you what you uh, what you preach you know it's one of the things that i think that um um i think people that do stop at the church here see see it out of jennifer and i that we actually and have for many many years live the things that we teach live the things that we preach i don't just i'm not just up on you know some uh, pedestal here and trying to tell you guys what to do no i'm going to show you you know, and so that's what we've been doing for a while. And that really is the difference moving forward. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn here or anything like that, but toot toot. I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything like that. But moving forward, that's what we need from people. That's what we need from this world. We're, we're tired of talking, okay? We have to listen to the word. We're going to talk about that today. And then act that out in our world, okay? Another thing that... Um, I just posted on Instagram too. I just want to share this. And this is, of course, the, the, the classic Steven Crowder meme. Hopefully you can all hear me this morning. We got a different setup. We're in the tent this morning. <laughs> Might rain. So um, I, I posted this and this is a conversation I've uh, actually Jennifer and I were having just the other night. And we were talking about all these people that is like, you should come to my website and sign up for my thing. And I've got this new movement. And I've got this idea. And we've got the, you know, blah, 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 blah. All of those things are eventually going to fail. MartyLeads33.com was eventually going to fail. Why? Why? Because MartyLeads33.com was just a place you could go and learn some things and had a paywall and stuff like that, but it wasn't based entirely on the truth. And as we're going to see that the, um, well, as, as we teach here or whatever, what is the truth? Well, it's, it's Christ. It is. And there's no getting around it. 
I have fought this tooth and nail over the years to try to stay away from the fact that it's like, no, the answer to our ills are, are the problems of our world. If you want change in this world, then you're going to have to focus on the savior of that, of that world. And that is Christ. Now, of course, I say this knowing that we don't peddle any of the, the, the understanding of essentially Christianity that most people have. Not one lick of it. In fact, I just made the post on Instagram that I said, look, if you actually want to get into this, your chances are going to have to ignore and, and pretty much put out of your mind everything that you've learned about Christianity. Okay? Now, once again, there's wonderful people that are in, you know, that, that follow the Christian doctrine as it is the literalist fundamentalist. I think you guys know what I'm saying. Um, and that are wonderful, wonderful people. There's no getting around that either. It's absolutely true. But we are in the position right now in our time, in our world, where we are right now, where this, you know, the, the truth of these things is popping out. And so we need to, um, you know, um, you know, grasp onto that truth and, and shout it from the rooftops, you know, and, and do it with as much love as we can, as much love as uh, we are able to. So um, anyway, so, uh, you know, I made this post and it says the next level of truth seeking is Christ changed my mind. And I said, I said this, I was like, Hey, you think, you know, flat earth is tough, right? You think that was a tough one to chew on? Try this, put this, put, you know, put chew on this meat for a while and see how you do. Because what we're saying is here is guess what, guess what we're going to find in that Holy Bible. Guess what we're going to find in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what we're going to find in our alphabet. Guess what we're going to find as we're going to see today in symbols across the world when understood correctly, Lord Jesus Christ. And there ain't no getting around it. And that's what I'm going to show. So that's what we do here. So, okay, let's do it. Let's uh, do a prayer and then we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 20. Okay, so this prayer actually comes from the Dei Dao Ching. As you guys know, we like to celebrate all of the, the great uh, mystical literature around the world. And uh, so this comes straight from that book. And of course, it's not really a prayer, but we're going we're gonna to say it as a prayer anyway, because I think it's pretty good. So, Lord, may we yield and overcome Bend and be straight, empty and be full, wear out and be new. Have little and gain, have much and be confused. Therefore the wise embrace the one and set an example to all, not putting on a display, they shine forth, not justifying themselves, they are distinguished, not boasting, they receive recognition, not bragging, they never falter. They do not quarrel, so no one quarrels with them. Therefore, the ancients say, yield and overcome. Is that an empty saying? Be really whole and all things will come to you. Amen. Okay, so let's jump into it. Once again, chapter 20, this is called the laborers in the vineyard. So the first thing that Matthew chapter 20 is going to do is start out with a, a parable. And so what we're going to do is read the first basically 15, 16 verses here of the parable. I'm going to read through it and then we're going to go back and we're going to pick this baby apart as we do. Okay, strap in. Let's do this. All right. Matthew 20, numero uno. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. Watch the language, everybody. Pay very, very close attention to the language because every word is dripping wet with meaning in this book, as we know. So we're going to go to those words and find out what the meaning is. Number two, and when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing, standing idly in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. And again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour 
and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all day idle? They saith unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that that shall ye receive. So when the even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto the steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. Nobody, nobody got, uh, everybody got a penny, that's it. Even the people that worked extra, extra hard. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, twelve, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But Jesus replies, but he answered on one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be the first and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Okay, so the first thing we can see is, okay, we got a a couple, Jesus, uh, you know, this parable is going out. He's saying, or the parable is saying that the vineyard is going, or the, excuse me, (laughs) let me get my words together here. Um, The parable is saying that the good men of the house, the owner of the house, goes out and gets laborers all day, gets them at three o'clock, six o'clock, you know, uh, nine o'clock, 11 o'clock. And then all of a sudden at the end, they go and they say, okay, well, we want to get our earnings. And then it finds out that Jesus pays, or the good men of the house, if you will, pays everybody equally. And then the people that had worked the longest said, well, that's not fair. And so a lot of people, a lot of Christians will take this parable and say, well, the parable is trying to tell you that in the beginning you should have asked for more because you're worth more than that. And that's what a lot of Christians will think this parable is about. That's not what this parable is about at all. You know how many Christian cha- churches and channels or whatever that I've seen talk about this parable? And that's exactly what they say. In fact, I ser- God bless them. I heard Wrangler Star say the same thing. Basically, it's like, yeah, this is about you. You got to see what you're worth. And so you got to ask for more. Jesus w- or the good men of the house, if you will, was never going to give any of those workers anything more than a penny. Doesn't matter how hard they worked. Why? What's the meaning of this parable? Let's take it apart. And let's start with chapter uh, verse one here. Okay. So for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man. Lots of math today. So, for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. Okay, so the first thing we know is that we're dealing with a parable. Okay, as we know, this is one of the great parables. What is a parable? We've covered this before. A parable comes from the word, it's the same etymological root as parabola. A parabola, you can even see, here's the etymology here. It'll tell you a parabola is a curve commonly defined as the intersection of a cone with a plane parallel. It's a basic, you know, this basic curve in geometry. Where do we get the word? See parable, it'll just tell you. So what do we go to parable? We go to parable and we say, what is it? Well, it's an allegory or metaphorical narrative, of course. Having a moral for instruction, that's what it is. Then it'll even tell you, okay, where does the word come from? Latin parabolus comparison. It's literally the same place. So a parable and a parabola is basically saying when Jesus is giving you a parable, he's saying that, hey, there's a reflection of this story up above. 
in the stars, in the constellations, in the heavens. It's written up there. Of course, this is what a, a parabola looks like, you know. So when you're on the, the plane of the earth and you're looking up at the bowl of stars above your head, those stars move in a parabolic fashion. From your perspective, that's what's happening. So we already know that, hey, the, whatever this story is, there must be some relationship to the stars. And that's what exactly what we're going to see. Okay. We also know, what does he say here? It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning. Okay. This is very, once again, very specific language. Why? What happens early in the morning? Everybody knows it's happening right now. The sun is rising. The sun is rising. And as we know, Jesus in one of his one of the many symbolic manifestations of Christ to help us understand the logos, the logic, the order of this creation that God made, the intelligence behind the creation that God made. One of those things, one of those celestial objects that help us understand that is the sun. And that's why we find that the sun is encoded in the name of Jesus Christ. That makes sense. That's also why he's called the son of God, S-O-N. So if the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man who was a householder, which went out early in the morning, okay, it's, it's telling you to focus on the sun. Morning, by the way, as you, many of you know, using English gematria, the cipher is right there. That is the biblical cipher. That is the septenary cipher. Whoever translated the authorized King James Version of the Bible used this cipher to decode that, to, to um, encrypt that book. Full stop. Okay? So, what do we have here? Um, morning is 22. In English gematria, using a septenary sevenfold cipher and 22 divided by 7 is 3.142. It's a common and widely used abbreviation and approximation of pi. I probably said that a thousand times over the last 15 years. So 22 and 7. 22 divided by 7 is pi. So the first thing they're going to tell you is about the sun, that this is a parable to the stars and the heavens above, and they're going to give you some math for that. Okay? Now let's look at the aspects of the parable. Okay, let's go back and let's read exactly what it says. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his vineyard. What are the aspects of this parable? Okay, first off, in this said, there's a man who owns a house. He's the householder. He holds the house. Who is that? Well, that's God. In this parable, man is God. Okay, what's the household that he's holding? Well, what does God own? When, you know, when it says, the meek shall inherit the earth in the Old Testament, right? The meek shall inherit the earth. Meek means submissive, submissive to God, to listen to what God wants of us, to align with it. And then it says, the meek shall inherit the earth. What does it mean to inherit? It means you're going to own. That means if you do your shit right down here and you get upstairs, you will be with God. And, you, and what does God do? He owns everything. You will be united with God. So there's a householder. There's a man that owns it. What is the house? It's earth. Okay. What is the vineyard? Well, we'll figure out what the, we'll talk about what the vineyard is in just a second. It's you. You're the vineyard in which you have to do the work. And what is the labor in the vineyard? He's going out and trying to find, uh, in this parable, the man who owns the house, God himself is going out and trying to find people who are doing his work. And what is that labor? That's the great work. That's the work that we're all tasked to do. And yes, if you wanted to um, know, why am I showing a, a, a picture of a flat earth there? That's because, look at this flat earth. That's because the earth is flat and stationary. Don't let them lie to you. Understand, ex uh, uh, come to understand and embrace the very senses that God gave you to recognize you're not spinning right now. You're not in infinite space. You're not traveling at 1,037.5 miles an hour as this thing is spinning and 66,000 miles an hour as this earth is and blah, 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 blah. Earth is flat and stationary, and we're bold about that. We're, we're not quiet about that at all. 
Bible says it. Cultures around the world say it. We can prove it with geometry. Hey, isn't that nice? God gave us a science and we can prove that they're lying. That's a beautiful thing. This is uh, Jesus every time you share a NASA image of the globe. This is him. This is the real reason, quote unquote, Jesus wept is because you keep believing in damn nonsense like a ball. So, okay, so we can see that, yes, this is what we've got. God Almighty is the householder. And there's the earth. That's the house. And what is the labor? That's the labor that we need to do. That's the great work. This is where it says the kingdom of heaven. Who's the king? That's Christ. He sits in his throne in the center of the whole thing. That's Polaris. That's the throne for the king. What is the dome? That's the dome of stars. That is the firmament, if you will, that's once again celebrated across the world that's stretching over you. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven is like un, like an unto a man who is a householder, right? Heaven is literally defined as heaven's sky. This is the etymology. Um, the home of God, the visible sky, the firmament. Of course, we have here, when you look at the aspects of the parable, you can even see there, there's heavens, there's the heavens, and then there's the heaven of heavens. So even the things that we can see, quote unquote, the stars, the firmament, the sky, that sort of thing, it's called heavens, but there's a heaven above the heavens. There's just something that there's beyond to beyond that you can't even fathom, understand. There's no words that can describe it. You're not going to, you know, put some numbers to it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's beyond the ability to even describe it. That's what they're referencing there. So when they say heaven is a sky, it, it literally comes from the word a covering, to cover. That's what happened. That's literally. So stony vault of heaven, if you will. Okay. You talk about the kingdom. It's a dome. It literally, the, the, our words are telling us about our own cosmology, guys. Our words, the word, the very words that we use to speak, to try to explain this world to each other, are literally telling us where we live. The kingdom, what is the dome? It's a dome, it's a domain, it's domestic, it's to dominate, it's a domicile, it's dominion. The root of all these words is a dome because that's exactly what it is. We're, we are domesticated, if you will, from God. This is our domicile. He dominates us in the dome. It's his domain. It's his dominion. Okay? And this is exactly what we mean. Dome is a round, vaulted roof or hemispherical covering. It's a house. Literally, the etymology says it's a house. It's a housetop. And then we go to the parable. We say, hey, what, what is, who is the person who is owning the house? It's God. What is the house? It's earth. Right? Everything that's under heaven, if you will, is part of the house. It's the dome. It's the roof. Okay? And once again, the great work is the, the magnum opus. It's the alchemical work that we all have to do. And that's to be reborn through Christ. That's to go through with our faith and our works. We're going to show our we're going to show our faith by our works, if you will, and that's to do the work that we need to do down here. The problem is, is that we live in a time where most people don't realize that there's work to do. <laughs> most people don't realize that there was a purpose to this thing. Most people don't realize that. Oh yes, you have of an objective down here. Okay. And of course, this is this great work is found all over. Anytime you see in any sort of mystical, uh, you know, um, you know, quote unquote, occult or you know, mystic avenues or practices, things like that, this is what they're referring to. End of story. Full stop. If you have other people telling you otherwise, it's because they don't know anything about the tarot deck. They don't know anything about Freemasonry. They don't know anything about alchemy. There's one thing to do, and that's the great work. What's greater than the great work? There is no answer. Okay, now let's talk about, so we know what the house is. We know who the householder is. We know what the great work we're doing. What is the vineyard? That's you, ladies and gentlemen. You, the great work must be done within you. You are the vineyard. How do we know that? Because once again, the Bible encrypts these things specifically so that we can make these direct correlations. Vineyard in English gematria equals 28. And what do we have? 
Just count those phalanges, those segments on your fingers. What is it? It's 28 of them. Two on the thumbs, three on each finger. Go ahead and count them for the hundredth time. If you've been following on this channel, know it, know it well. God put it right in front of you. 28. So what's the great work that we're doing? It's within you. It's right in front of you. Those hands that you're going to put to task, to put to labor. For what? So I can make a bunch of money. So I can get popular on the Instagrams and the TikTok. No, you do it for God. You do your work for God and God alone. End of story. Right? Okay. And as, as we know, once again, there's the 28 phalanges. Okay. So let's go back here. Okay. So we got that. We're on verse one here. Great. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man as a householder wench went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his vineyard. We'll get to hire in just a bit. And then when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, just so you know, Jesus in this, in this parable here, God was never going to give you anything more than a penny. You could have bartered with him for a million dollars. You'd be like, you're getting a penny but I'm going to work all day in the vineyard. You're getting a penny. Why? We'll get to that. When he had agreed the labors for a penny day, he sent them into a vineyard. He sent them into yourself to do the work, the internal work that you need to do. You go into the class, he shut the door. And when he went about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and saith unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. What is he doing? What is, what, is the, what is the man of the household doing? He's calling people to do the great work. And there's, there's going to be people that show up. Are they actually going to be doing the great work? Well, the parable actually tells us. And again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. Okay, so right now we have the third, the sixth, and the ninth. Okay, well, if you guys once again have been following along, if you've read the book, Lord Jesus Christ, you know all about three, six, and nine. You know all about it. If you only knew the magnificence of three, six, and nine, then you would have a key to the universe. Where does this come from? This is right on our hands. Once again, the vineyard is telling us where it is. The mathematics of the vineyard is telling us where it is. What is right in front of you? It's a decimal system. It's a decimal system. Ten fingers. What? Two thumbs and, you know, eight fingers, if you will. That's a base ten. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, zero is nothing. It's nothing. So what do you have? This is your angelic hierarchy. This is the, you know, nine all over the world, the Ennead, etc. This is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's those numbers broken up into a what? Three, Trinity. And then the numbers at the end of them are what? Divisible by three. So here, Nikola Tesla, people are like, he was, he was all about free energy and, you know, all this other stuff. And that's what 369 is going to bring us. Well, maybe, but you know, I'm sure that there's something to there. We can talk vortex-based math all day long. Absolutely. But I think Tesla was saying a lot more than just, hey, guys, we, could, we don't have to worry about fossil fuels anymore. You know what I'm saying? The key to the universe is literally right in front of you. It's the vineyard. Okay, so three, six, and nine, by the way, three, six, and nine, that this whole thing, as we know, if you've read Lord Jesus Christ, which you should, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, that is encoded in our Savior's name, four, five, six, six, six. I was like, oh, six, 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 isn't that a number of the devil? You got to read your Bible. You got to get to chapter 15 in Revelation before you start claiming that stuff, because Revelation 15 is going to tell you, no, that's the number that the saints had when they were up in heaven singing the songs of Moses and the songs of the Lamb. Just and true are thy way, the saints. They were doing it up. They were just having it, you know. 
the vin they were actually drinking the wine from the vineyard upstairs. Can you imagine the vineyard in heaven? Jesus Christ. Do you think, Mom, if you're listening, you think we the vineyards we go to are good? Ah, shit. No suck. Okay. Four, five, six, six, six. That one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You've seen it before. I'm laying it out there, leaving it on the screen for you guys to see again. That base 10 system is encoded in Jesus's name phonetically, full stop. No question. Anybody could do it. So why the three, six, and nine? Well, once again, that's in that's in Jesus. But three, six, and nine, by the way, oh, here, let me say this. Three, six, and nine, what are they talking about? He's literally talking about the hour of the day. On the third hour, on the sixth hour, on the ninth hour, I went and did these things. And then he says on the eleventh hour. Now, we'll get into the eleventh hour in just a second. I'll, actually, I'll say this right here. This is the next verse. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, what, what are you standing here all day for? Why don't you go do the great work? Okay? And so, they're literally telling... So, it's about the 11th hour. What does the 11th hour mean? The 11th hour meaning is, is like the, it's the latest possible time. Right? In a broader sense that the 11th hour can refer to any situation where action or intervention takes place when time is running out. This means it's just about midnight. That's what it means. It's just about midnight. It's just about up on that top end of the clock. Right? The 11th hour. Okay? Well, okay, so let's just look at that clock again. The three, the six, and the nine, and then all, just about 12. What is that? Well, Jesus just created the symbol of earth on the clock. Jesus just told you about the time, three, six, and nine, and just about 12. And then he said this is when he's going to hire the laborers to do the great work. And what did he put? What did he create mathematically? A cross. Three, six, and nine, put it, that's a cross. That's what it is. And it is also the classic alchemical symbol for earth. And where? what are we doing? Who's the householder? God. What's the house? Earth. Okay. So now, what does this mean here? Let's go back. Let's, let's, let's keep going here. Um, <clears throat> once again, at the 11th hour, people said, oh, uh, go into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, you'll, you'll receive. Okay. And then when the even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they had came, hired the eleventh hour, every man received a penny. And then you can see then the guys that were there first would be like, Well, I needed to be higher up on the throne in heaven. I think we're. I think you're going to start to see exactly what this parable actually means in just a second here. So the eleventh hour is what? Okay, well... I've, once again, we talked about this last week. And what it, what is the 11th hour in this sense? What is going on in the vineyard? God is going out and he's like, who's going to be doing the work? And then a bunch of people show up and they're like, I'll do the work. I'll do it. What what hour is it? It's the third hour. Okay, cool. And then some of them are like, then he asks them, he's like, well, why were you standing here idly all day? Well, there's because there's a lot of people that didn't know that there was any work to do. There's a lot of people that were just... As, as all of us were at some point in our life, had our head full of pupukaka. And we didn't even know that there was anything to do. We're like, oh, oh, there's a goal here. There's teleology. There's a purpose to this earth. I actually have a destination. There's things I absolutely need to do down here. And they are all based on my ethics, my morality, my faith, my charity, my ho all of that. Shit, Jesus, I just didn't know. I was dumb as everybody. We're all the fools, you know, the, the, the tarot deck kind of thing. We're all the fools when we get here. 
Okay, so what's what's what is the eleventh hour in this sense? This is all those people that woke up during COVID. Jennifer and I were just talking about this. I mentioned it last week. All these people were at Music and Sky. I don't know how many people we talked to were saying, oh, "I just woke up through COVID." There were some some people at the church here. Several people at the church that said the same thing. I just woke up through COVID. Oh, okay. Well, so you just woke up, recognized that there was work to do, and you started doing it right away. Okay, awesome. What what's bad about that? Congratulations. Hell yeah, we should be celebrating. What happened though? The people that were there first were like, "Hmm. Well, I've been doing this for all this time and then this guy comes along and then he just gets blah 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 blah." blah. And they start complaining and bitching about it. You should be celebrating. Those people that were there first should be celebrating. Oh, that's right. God got more of us. God got more into those pearly gates, if you will. The 11th, and so the 11th hour, it's like, well, I, you know, there's the parable right there. It's like, well, I just didn't know there was work to do. Well, now you know that there was work to do. Are you doing it? And are you complaining about it? What do you think the calling forth the, call the laborers and give them their hire. They were in, they were on earth, right? They were called to do the great work in the vineyard, which is the human vessel. And they were called to do it by who? God Almighty. And when you're called forth, what is this? This is judgment. This is saying, how'd you do? Okay. Then he even says, you're going to get what is right. You're going to get, I'm going to give you what is right. If you do all the, and we're going to see why, why it's only a penny. We'll get to that in just a second. What is right? Of course, we know, quote unquote, what it right is. At least we should. It's like, okay, when you were down here, when you were doing all the work, were you being moral? Were you being ethical? Were you being appreciative? Were you thankful? Did you live with heart? Did you live this world, you know, live your life with compassion? Did you harvest the good fruits in life? Whatever you were given. I didn't, you know, I spent all that time and I was a dumbass and it was only on the 11th hour, but in that 11th hour, holy shit, I harvested some fruit. Were you a whiny little bitch? <laughs> Once again, I'm pretty sure this live stream is for me, not you guys. <laughs> Did you work not for the reward, but for the honor of doing what is just and good? Because that's what he's, that's what God is judging you on right now. Did you do this stuff because it was the right thing to do? Or did you do it because you thought you would get a reward? And you thought if I worked harder and harder and harder, I'd get a better reward. No, there is only one reward. To do the great work is a privilege. What happened to those guys that first showed up? It's all of the literalist and fundamentalist Christians out there that are like, I'm on Jesus Christ's side. I'm for Christ. I'm here. I've been for Christ for all these. But you don't know shit. You don't know anything. You didn't actually do the work. And then this entire time you were self-righteous about it. And then you think that at the end of this life, God is going to grant you a higher in the kingdom. No, there is no quote unquote higher in the kingdom. Once you're, once you're united with God, that's it. These first laborers came in blank. I need to be a special boy. Nope. You used to get in a penny. What does the penny mean? We'll get to that in just a second. You got the privilege, think about this, you got the privilege to walk, these people that were the first people that showed up that ended up bitching about the fact that they got a penny just like the last guy. You got the privilege, the privilege to walk with Christ, know his glory and do the great work longer than anybody else. 
you got to bask in the glory of knowing divinity and sacredness longer than anybody than those people at the 11th hour that's a privilege that's an honor what happened to those first guys that got there we deserve more than a penny and what did they get nothing more because you should have just appreciated the fact that i got to spend all that time doing the good work the great work these guys that were first they got up there and they're like, well, I was in the heat of the sun all this time and I'm going to bitch and complain about it. Then you're going to be last. You were the first people to show up and now you're last. We work for why. We work. We do the work, the great work, so we can let our light shine before men that they may see our good works, but we don't do it for a man. We don't do it for the red carpet. We don't do it so we can get checks in the mail. We do it to glorify our Father which is in heaven. And that is what God is judging you on. And that's why the first people to show up and be like, Christ, 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 I'm for Christ. You guys were the last. And we're seeing that today in our world. We're seeing that today in our world. All these Christians, I'm a brave believer. No, you're not. You're believing the same shit everybody else believes and you're being self-righteous about it. This is this is the Bible. Oh, wait a second. Let me get back here. Now, now I'm just ranting. Let's stay on course here. Okay. So about the 11th hour, he went out, found the people standing. They just didn't know there was work to do. No man had hired us. Call forth the laborers. Let's see their judgment. When they came, they were, they were hired about the 11th hour. They received every man a penny. We'll get to the penny in just a second. What is a penny? It's a circle. Okay. But when they first came, they supposed that they should receive more. And they likewise received every man a penny. Okay. And then, so, what is this? This is, think about those first people that were there that became the last. This is Matthew. We already covered this. Matthew 7. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. All these people that were there first being, I'm taking Christ as my Savior. I've got the thing. Okay, cool. You were the first person to say it. Chances are, no offense, but chances are you're full of shit. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done wonderful works. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. These people that are claiming this, they're actually not doing the work of the Father. They're not doing the great work. They just think they are. And they're self-congratulatory about it. This is why we don't get that many people to follow the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. Give them their hire. Just phonetically say it. Just speak the word, hire. Give them their hire. What is hire? H-I-R-E. What's a payment for the temporary use of something? A payment for labor or personal services? What does he actually give? What is God? What is the actual reward? Is it the quote-unquote penny? No. Christ, God Almighty, is going to take you higher Give them what they've earned. What is higher? It's your Aries, it's your Arise, it's your Rose, it's your Lamb, it's your Ram. 
Why do you think Jesus, you see some of these like illustrations, I should have grabbed some, illustrations and like, you know, uh, um, stained glass windows and stuff like that. And, and what, what do you see? You see Jesus the shepherd with a lamb over his shoulders. He wants to bring you up to the Aries, to the pole of Aries, the pole Aries. He wants you exactly where they say the heaven of heaven is. That's what he's trying to do. And he's just saying, were you thankful? Were you appreciative? Did you do the work because it was the right thing to do? Or did you do it because you thought you were a special boy and you were going to get a reward? So then I got to make sure I'm covering all this. I'm sorry. I don't think I missed this last one here. Yep, they, uh, when they first came, they supposed that they should have received more, those first people. And they likewise received every man a penny. Once again, we'll get into the penny in just a second here. Okay, and when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. Good God, evil devil. Come on, people. Come on. We can see that clearly <laughs> these are word plays. And then even if you understand the word play, you can directly understand what these, what these, they're symbolic of. What is the good man? It's God. He is the God-man of the house. What is the house? Earth. Saying, oh, and this is why they were pissed. This is why these first people were pissed. Because they thought that they were better than everybody. They worked longer. Saying, these last people that just got in the 11th hour that we should be celebrating, that we should be like, hell yeah, they got in. But they're going to bitch about it. They're going to be whining little bitches. These last have wrought but one hour and thou hast made them equal unto us. They are equal unto you. So is your enemy. You didn't learn the first thing. You didn't learn the first commandment that God gave you. I don't give a shit how long you worked. I don't care if you were in the vineyard. I don't care if you thought you were called by God to do it. You failed. Because you thought you were better than everybody. And thou hast, this is their bitch. This is their gripe. And thou hast made them equal unto us which have borne the burden and heat of the day to bear the burden and heat of the day. The fire of the spirit is a blessing. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? What does he mean? When you came down from, when you fell from the great height, from the heavens above and came down to earth, there was an agreement, a vow that you took with God. There was an agreement and he's saying, I did you, I did you no wrong. When I, when I called you forth and you said, yep, I'll go do the great work, we agreed on a penny. And that's it. And then you thought you wanted to earn more. What is the penny? What does the penny represent in this parable? What is the first two letters of penny? It's P-E. Do you know what that is in Greek and in Hebrew? <laughs> it's pay. It's pie. It's pie. It's exactly what it is. Penny is a coin originally set at one twelfth of a sh of a shilling. Interesting. Now we're dealing with twelve around one and twelve things. What's going on here? In the middle, in the Middle English, any coin could be called a penny. So we see that a penny basically doesn't isn't worth that much, right? If you will, in our standard, but it could be worth anything, that sort of thing. But what does this coin absolutely represent? Well, as we'll see, they're they're gonna they're gonna reiterate this during you know moving forward. But that that penny represents the monad. It represents the spark of God that exists within you. And this is why God was only ever going to give you a penny. Because God sees each and every one of us as equal. He's just putting you down here to say, are you going to align with my will or not? 
So that penny represents the spark of God that he gave you when you came down to earth. You did the work and you thought, my spark is going to be bigger. No, it's not. It was never going to be any bigger. Our entire cosmology is based on this. This, I see the one on the upper left and the, on the right and then the one on the lower. What is that? It's God circumscribing the world. <laughs> I love how we jump from 148 watching to 88 watching. <laughs> it's like, as soon as I said, this is why people are not following this church. Oh, I'm out of here. Marty's challenging me. I'm a truth seeker, but I don't want to be challenged. <laughs> we could do a play-by-play -play of this of this stuff. <laughs> so let's keep reading. And Jesus, okay, so so there's your there's your parable of the of the vineyard. Okay, let me let me finish this off. Okay, sorry, let me finish this. But he answered one of them and said, "Friend, I did thee no wrong. You agreed on a penny coming down here, and that's all you're going to get. What you have to recognize is how valuable that penny actually is." Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. In other words, and just as it ended with the last chapter, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. Why? Well, you're seeing it. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? I, God is saying, I'm not breaking any laws and I'm not being evil. You're the one that's deciding to go against. We, we had an agreement. Then he says this, so the last, is thine eye evil because I am good? That's what he means. Then it says, 2016, so the last shall be first and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. Lots of people, even in the 11th hour, don't get that call because they're not ready even to hear it. They're not ready to even be put on the path. Okay, let's take a short break here. I'm going to play a little tune. And if you guys would like to support the, we got a lot more that we're going to do here. So if you'd like to support the fine work that we do at the Gnostic Academy, you can become a good bird at Subscribestar, or you can support us PayPal, Venmo, Buy Me a Coffee, Cash App, and we do support all the people that uh, do fund the church and allow us to keep doing what we're doing. We appreciate it. I don't care if there's 70 of you here or 170 or whatever. We're going to find the good laborers. That's what this church is doing. We're out here finding the people that if it ends up there in the 11th hour, well, that's, that's all right. Are you doing the great work? That's who should be in these pews. Anybody else should just get out until you're ready to be here. It's as simple as that. Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app, subscribe star, and the door is always open to you, by the way. And if you'd like to, once again, support the work that we do, uh, snail mail. We have, um, we have a mailbox now, and we will be incorporating next week, so that will be Gnostic Academy, not just me as your minister. Uh, 7781 County Road 3440, Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And we appreciate everybody that does support. Let's play a little song, a little intermission.
All right, thank you to all that do support and just stop by and even give us your time and attention because that is support as well. You don't have to throw us any money to be here and support and to spread the good word and to uh, pr you know promote what we do here because uh, what we're doing is very important and we're, 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 we don't mince words and we recognize that. We recognize that we have a divine duty and we're going to uphold that because we want to be doing the great work in the vineyard for the Lord. Let's move on. Oh, we're going to get good here. This is going to be good stuff here moving forward. All right, we got we got a ways to go here. So thank you all for sticking around. This is probably going to be a two-hour one. Okay, so, and Jesus going up, this is Matthew 20, 17. So we just got done with the parable, and now we're going to move on. Um, and Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples apart in the way, in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And then, of course, he gives a prophecy. And the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the, you know, unto the scribes. And they shall condemn him to death. This is, um, where, where is this? This is the Bible knocking it out of the park, by the way. This is the Bible knocking it out of the park. Um, where are we here? Oh, here we go. This is, um, this is, you know, we just got done with the the parable talking about how it's like, oh, they're in the vineyard and they got to the end and they're like, oh, we should receive more. This is exactly what Christ is saying about the Hebrews, about the Jews, about the scribes and the Pharisees, which is happening today, right? This is, once again, we read, we're, this is from uh, Luke, but we read this in Matthew as well, or a variation of this already. Um, I think in 13, I want to say it, but it says basically, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. That's exactly what we're talking about. You do all this stuff so you could be like, oh, isn't he a May thing? They make broad their phylacteries, which is, of course, the phylacteries is the, you know, what's the, the you know, they've got the two cubes that they wrap around the arm seven times and all that sort of stuff. And enlarge the border of their garments. They try to make them look big, like an animal that puffs up their feathers. And love the uppermost rooms at feasts. They love going up there and getting all the special food and being a special boy. And the chief seats in the synagogues. They love being on the top, even in a house of God where everybody is equal under the eyes of God. They like to be on the top, bro in the top seats and the, having the gold thrones. See what's going on here? And greetings in the markets. Be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Oh, 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 you're special. You're a man of Christ. Or you're a man of God. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all your brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth. For one is your father which is in heaven, neither be ye called masters. For one is your master, even Christ. But he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. We're going to get into this. The greatest among, the, the, the greatest, per, if you're listening to even myself, right? If you're here listening to this, I'm nothing but your servant. I'm here to serve. That's it. We're going to get into that when we talk about minister. Isn't it funny when we talk about, uh, you know, it's like, oh, they, these people, they do this to be seen of men and stuff like that. And it's not about money and all this other stuff. There are people, I know several people that are listening to this or that do listen to this podcast, right? That have hundred thousand, several hundred thousand million dollars in their account. Several people I know that are multimillionaires or whatever, that are very wealthy that listen to this podcast. I also know people that have about $50 in their account. And they're listening to this podcast. What does that tell you? Is it money? It seems like people that have money and people that don't have the same problems. The problem is theological and spiritual. That's why. And that's why those people are here at this church. Because they recognize that. So, just to go off what we were saying uh, before there. Okay. Let me move on here. Okay. 
So the scribes and the Pharisees, they condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and to crucify him. The third day he shall rise again. There's the prophecy. Okay, let's talk about Jerusalem first because he went up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples, went up to Jerusalem. What is this a reference to? Salem is, comes from Shalom, means peace. And uh, Jeru basically means a city of. It's ba that's basically what it means. So Jerusalem is a holy city for Jews. Of course, we, here's another. Here's the city of peace. Uh, and polis, right, is actually the word for city. Um, that's the um, Greek pronunciation. So polis. Um, it, it actually re uh, originally referred to as an administrative and religious city center as distinct from the rest of the city. So basically, this is the center, the pole is the center. So he went up to Jerusalem, right? And Jeru and Salem, Shalom means peace, but it also means wholeness, completeness of peace. So completeness of peace requires you to be whole, okay? What is whole? Well, it's 360 degrees of a circle, right? But describes the beginning by a unified effect is, is, is Jerusalem, basically coming together, bringing peace, being whole. This is your axis mundi. This is why it's called the polis, the city. So when Jesus is going to the ta, he's going to the city of peace, which is the pole within him, and the 12 disciples are going, are traveling around him. Okay, this is, all of this language is a reference to the fact that you are a reflection of, once again, the entire cosmos. Okay, now I just want to say this. This is the, called the axis mundi, and this will get us right into what Jesus is talking about here, okay? This is called the Axis Mundi. So the Jerusalem, the city, the polis of peace is the pole within you and it's reflecting the pole above. This is your axis. It's axis is literally the word. It's a six. And what is it? It's the alpha point. It's the origin point of the all with the six revolving around it. Okay. And this is the six around one that we talk about. This is the cipher. This is the, this is the opening lines of Genesis. Okay. This is a, this is specific mathematics that we know by the way is on our hands if you've been following along this is on our hands <laughs> and this is mathematics to point to you pinpoint directly where christ is okay that's what this is there for okay what is this okay this is the way this is the way so jesus went up in the way he took the disciples and went in the way what is the way We've, we've talked about this number a number of times. Flow with God because he knows. The way is the, is the core and essence of Taoism, but it's, it's the way, the truth, and the life, right? This is as we know. It's the idea of the primordial natural law in which all of the universe has been given its shape and mechanics. There's a flow. There's a way. There's a flow state to the logos, to Christ. And Christ is trying to get you into that flow state. And that's what he's saying. He's taken the disciples up in the way. Okay? This is Manly Palmer Hall on the way. I, 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 I posted this in our Telegram group. <laughs> okay. This is, uh, this is uh, listen to this. This is Manly Palmer Hall trying to tell you about what the way is here. Ready? It is a strange war, the strangest war of all. He must fight without fighting. For if he opposes ignorance with any impulse of the will, his realization fades away and he is left helpless. His victory must be in the simple fact of knowing which scatters the ghosts opposing him. Knowing the way which scatters the ghosts that oppose you. There is no true struggle or warfare between light and darkness. Let me say this one again. 
There is no true struggle or warfare between light and darkness. When light comes, darkness fades away. Man wins by the steadfastness of his light. His victory is gentle, is a gentle becoming of truth. Your victory is a gentle becoming of truth. Notice he capitalizes truth there. His enemy cannot strike back. Shadows and unrealities have no power except that which is bestowed upon them by, by one of the numerous attributes of ignorance. As ignorance ceases, the adversary is left powerless. But the ghosts do not return to their caverns or their grottos. All vanish together in the presence of the knower. And this is why we say we're Gnostics. We go to know. We know. Okay? We know that when light comes, darkness fades. Was there a bet? Did when Jesus went up on the mount and was battling the devil, if you will, did he duke it out? Did he have to? No, no, no. It was just devil tempted him and stuff. No, no, no. And then what happened? The darkness faded. And what happened? The angels came and ministered upon him. That's because when Christ and truth and light actually enters, that's what happens. There isn't a war. There isn't a struggle. There isn't a battle. The light just makes the darkness fade into the darkness. Now, what happens? The Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. But how, how does this happen? Well, they deliver him to the Gentiles. Did the Jews actually kill Christ? Well, I mean, yes, but no, right? In other words, what did the Jews do? And what did these scribes and Pharisees do? They manipulated and mind-spelled the Gentiles. They did, back in the day, exactly what they're doing today. No different. And this is why you should be listening to this church, so you can understand this. People are doing what... Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Why the hell do you think they're? Why do? You, why the hell do you think they, that's in the Bible? Because the people that are working on behalf of the devil, most of them are 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 blind to it. They have no idea, no idea. They are under a mind spell. They're being manipulated psychologically. Okay, we've been in psychological warfare for a long time, and guess what? You're listening to a minister who's been a, vet, a minister who's been a veteran of wars. Me and David Weiss are veterans of foreign and domestic wars of psychological warfare. <laughs> We've been doing this a long time. They convinced the scribes and Pharisees to do it. So, in other words, who does the dirty work for the devil? And she'll deliver him to the Gentiles to do the dirty work. We're not going to get our actual hands dirty. We're just going to convince you to do it. It's a trick. That's it. Once you realize the trick and become the light, what happens to the scribes and Pharisees? Will the, Jill, will the Jews be doing the killing of Christ? No, they convinced the crowd to do it. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And then the Roman guy's like, ah, oh, let's do it. Well, let's listen to the crowd. So in other words, what's the lesson we learn here? War ceases when people cease to go to war. There is no war. There is no war. There's just, are you going to do the great work and be the light or not? That's it. 
If you are, that's when change will come to this world. And once again, that's why people don't listen to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, because that puts the responsibility directly on their shoulders. But it also gives you a little reprieve to say, guess what? You won't be doing it alone. Christ will be with you the entire time and you can do all things through Christ. And guess also what? That when you do that great work, all the saints will be behind you. You will have a team of saints in the metaphysical realms on your side. Do you know who else tells you that shit? Native American prophecies and, and religions and mythology. They'll tell you, oh, our ancestors are with us right now. They literally meant that. They didn't, that wasn't just some nice idea. Be like, well, that sounds pretty good. Oh, that's magical and fun. No, absolutely not. They're telling you that in case we would get to a position that we're in today and that you are going to need to be the light and it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. Well, that's why it's called the great work. So... <sighs> Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's 2020, children with her sons worshiping him and, and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto him, What will thou, she saith unto him, grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom? Who's the two sons of, uh, that he, that, of Zebedee? Of course, who are the two sons? Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Let me Before we get onto that, let me just say this. The three days prophecy, as we know, that is absolutely a representation of the sun dying, quote unquote, metaphorically, mystically, poetically on the on the winter solstice and then rising again. But that's not the only place that we see three days. In fact, I'll just I'm not going to say this here. I've posted this enough. You can stop the video and read it yourself. The three days math is encoded in our name, in, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Facts. Facts. Where's the truthers? Where, where'd they go? All of a sudden, they scatter to the wind. <laughs> you know how easy this is? You know how easy this is? When you, this is what I'm saying. I'm not even being cocky or anything like that. If you align with truth, it's just like if you don't lie, you don't have to remember lies. It's the same thing. If you just align with truth, all of these things be like, oh, okay, cool. There's actually answers for that stuff. Whew. It's not just a bunch of mystical, religious, mumbo-freaking-jumbo. No, there's math. Where are you guys? Where are you? Who's doing the work? That's what this parable is all about. I want to see the people doing the work. If that's 12 of you, then that's 12 of you. Otherwise, I ain't got time for your words, 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 words. Who is the sons of Zebedee? Zebedee is uh, James and John. That's who it is. I'll just tell you. The, you know, the two disciples of Jesus, John and James. That's Zebedee. Of course, when we look at, and we've done this, we've done the 12 disciples of the Zodiac, absolutely uh, go through and, and pinpoint the 12 disciples and how they're reflective in the stars, how they're parabolic. That's why Jesus tells parables, right? So when we read that story of Jesus walking the earth and you know walking with the 12 disciples, that has a correlate into the heavens. It should, it should. That's, the, why not? <laughs> so we see who's John and James. Well, John and James, we already know. That's Scorpio and Sagittarius. I don't have the graphic for where Scorpio and Sagittarius is in the sky, but you know what you should do? Go outside and look at it tonight. You don't need Marty Leeds. So what are John, John and James? What is this whole thing about? About we're looking for your hire. Go give them their hire. Give, <laughs> do the work, and then you're going to get what you're going to get the reward, if you will, right? Nobody's getting anything more than a penny, by the way, but... 
what so John and James is what? Scorpio and Sagittarius represent what? The thighs and the private member of the human being. That's what it represents in the zodiac man, in the anthropocosm. So what did John and James what, what so the mother of Zebedee is saying, coming up to Christ, Christ within, obviously, and saying, Hey, I wanna I want my two sons here to be upstairs with you in that pole of Aries. And that's Zebedee, by the way. Once again, this is another, just to, this is why this stuff is encoded. So you can make these correlations. Zebedee, what is Zebedee? Zebedee is 27. What else is 27? Well, you know that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine that we did? Well, that's, you know, uh, that's, you know, it's, it's three threes, if you will. It's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, if you will. It's three threes. Three cubed is 27. Do you know what else equals 27? Zebedee equals 27. Jesus equals 27. Nazareth equals 27. Light equals 27. Lamb of God equals 27. Chi Rho equals 27. Okay. What is 27? It's the number of bones in the hand. Wait, isn't that what we were talking about this whole time? But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I baptize with? Yes, of course. Of course. Right? There's only one baptism. There's only one church. There's only one spirit. There's only one God. We've covered that. We know that because we're Gnostics. They say unto him, We are able. We're able to do that. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism, baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on, the, on my right hand, listen to this, for all you literalist Trinitarians out there. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. What is Jesus saying? I'm the intermediary. That's exactly what he is when you understand the Trinity properly. God is the, as we just covered in our cosmology, God is the beyond, the beyond, the beyond, the beyond. It's the heaven of heavens. There's no word, there's no name, there's no bunch of numbers, there's no symbol, there's nothing that we can say or do to even come close to trying to describe that or define God. Nothing. Everything falls short. So we recognize that. So we need an intermediary in the flesh to be the, the, the you know, custodian of that, to bring that light, to bring that knowledge, to bring that wisdom to us. That's what Christ is and that's what represents and that's exactly what he is saying here. It's not mine to give. It's my father. Why does, then, well, wait a second, wait a second. I and my father are one. And why is Christ saying that? Because God owns and runs everything. We are all tied and connected to God. We're all, we can't be separate from God. <clears throat> It's not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for who it is prepared of my father. And when the 10 heard it, because they expected to just be like, Jesus says, yes, you get to come and sit in my left. I'm going to appease your mother. You can come and sit in the left and right of my, me. But he didn't say that, did he? No, he's like, well, there's, at some point there's going to be a judgment day. But Jesus called on to, uh, oh, sorry. And when the 10 heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren because they thought, oh, they had done something wrong. 2025, 20, but Jesus called on to, on to him and said, ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them and they that are great exercise authority upon them. 
What is he saying? It's exactly what we just said. Who's the, the prince of the Gentiles, right? Who is the prince of this world? Who is the God of this world? That is Satan, the devil. That is who has infiltrated the hearts and minds and souls and spirits and of, of people that are not in the way, that are not aligning with Christ, that are not being that light, that are not doing the good work. And he's saying, hey, guess what? You know, well, they don't understand it because they've had their mind filled with a bunch of hooey and a bunch of nonsense and a bunch of, a bunch of Hebrew propaganda. Let's just call it what it is. And they, that's what exercises dominion over them. What's going on today? Is politics exercise dominion over people? I'm red or blue. Yeah, you're, you're divided. Christ Church is one. Is Hollywood is Hollywood exercising dominion over people and their time and their their precious time that they have? Are they studying and reading or doing any of that sort of stuff? No, they're watching Netflix and chilling. That's who is having dominion and authority over them. But then Christ says this in twenty twenty six. But it shall not be so among you, because you're followers of me. You're not going to be listening to the words of the devil. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. If you found any greatness in your life, if God has entered in your life at all, and you've, be, and you've recognized that light, he's saying, okay, the great among you, now it's time to give, to be of service, to be a servant of me and a servant to the people. And this is what he says. Why do you think I started this church? Again, another of the thousands of reasons because I have a responsibility to be in service to you people and God. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. 2028 says, even as the Son of Man, it's 1008, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's talk about being a minister. What does a minister mean? If you guys know, I call myself a pastor, a minister. Jennifer and I are uh, a team. We're part of the pastoral leadership team. That's in our bylaws. <laughs> I'm, I'm the brawn. She's the beauty. So anyway, uh, what is a minister? It's a man consecrated to service. <clears throat> service. In the Christian church, an agent acting for a superior, one who acts upon the authority of another. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm acting for my superior. Who's that? That's God. Who is my authority? That's who authored me. That's God. From the old French ministry, servant, valet, member of a household staff. What's the house? It's earth. What are we? We're part of the staff. We're all in. Do you, do you go and who's your boss? Who, who, like what company do you work for? Or do you have a boss? Do you work for that company or that boss? Yes. No, you don't. No, you don't. You work for God. If you work for God, you're going to be the best employee that that company ever had. If you think you work for a man, you're going to hate your job. You're going to hate your life. You're misguided. Everybody works for God. To perform, what is a minister? That's a noun. What is a verb? To minister, like to administer. To perform religious rites, provide religious services. That's what we do here. Render service, aid, or medicine. We're going to talk about medicine. Wait a second. So a minister is administering medicine? Yes. To serve or be of service. The best thing that you can do in this life, the greatest feeling that you will ever get, the most accomplished you will ever feel is when you're in service to people. Take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. I'm telling you out of experience. 
What is medicine? So this minister is a person that gives medicine. Interesting. Medical treatment, cure, healing, medicine, the art of healing, cure, treatment, potion, the healing art, medicine, a remedy. Of course, we know of a medicine man, right? What is a medicine man? Native American. We just talked about this when we did the, um, the Middowin people and the Ajube story of creation. Magical influence, something supposed to possess a curative, supernatural or mysterious power. One of the things that a minister does is he, he's a musician and a minstrel. Well, I was just playing you songs. As we come to, as we're, I think we're starting to recognize this too, the power of sound and, and its ability to heal. I think, um, you know, we're, like I said, I was just at Music and Sky. We talked to Lee McCusick about this and she's really, you know, forefronting a lot of this is that sound is a healing agent. It's the thing that created everything it should be, right? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. That's a word that was spoken. Light. That's sound. So one of the things that the minister is supposed to do is what? Heal you with sound. Once again, let's go to those churches that are built specifically for sound. And what do they do? They sing hymns and worship music. This is your traditional medicine man. That's what people think a medicine man looks like. That's what people think a medicine man looks like, right? And that is what a medicine man looks like. In, 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 in that capacity, yes. Yes. But, you know, uh, a medicine man, and this is, of course, the medicine wheel. Tr traditionally, Native American medicine wheel. This is what it looks like. What is that? Well, it's uh, the th three, sixth, and ninth, and eleventh hour. That's what it is. What is it, though? It's a cross. The natives, when you get to the core of their theologies and stuff like that, so many of these myths, as we found, they absolutely understood what it meant to deny thyself and take up the cross and follow him. What is the medicine? Medicine, it's meta to beyond sin. This is what it means. So Jesus is saying, I came to be the chief among you. You need to be ministers. You need to be in service to people. So if there's any men out there, guess what we need to start doing? Nah, that's right. You got a new calling. So there, the minister is there to, to provide medicine. What is medicine? Medicine is also what? Meta means beyond, behind, higher, beyond, that sort of thing. And sin, of course, we know what sin means. It's a, it's a violation of divine law, offense against God. It's a moral wrongdoing. So when Jesus is saying like, hey, um, I didn't come here, to, the chief among you, you're going to need to be minister. And I did not come here to be ministered upon. I came to be a minister. I am Jesus Christ. Do not come up to me and be like, oh, Lord, Lord, you're the thing and the stuff. No, I'm here to teach you about the way. I'm here to teach you how to be ministers. I'm here to teach you how to go beyond sin. So when we talk about, and this is this is the whole purification of the serpent. This is the purified serpent thing. This is the, you know, Moses and the, had the, held up the cross in the wilderness and the whole bit. And Jesus did, just as, just as Moses held the cross in the wilderness, so shall Jesus be, you know, that whole thing. We've talked about it numerous, numerous times. That's a vescopisis right there, just so you know. There's a vescopisis right there. We'll cover that in just a second. But let's talk about the medicine. What is the symbol of medicine, ladies and gentlemen? What's the symbol of medicine? Well, it's a serpent on a staff. So what is actual medicine? Is it drugs and pharmacia and virology and the new things and, you know, things in science? No. How close are you to God? Here is the symbol of medicine. Here's the chiro. That's the symbol of Christ. 
Here's the symbol of medicine. Here's the symbol of Christ. Christ, medicine. Medicine, Christ. Are we getting it? Somebody asked me, we have a dinner with, um, we just had dinner last Friday with our neighbors, uh, beautiful people. And the uh, older guy, he's an old Dutch guy. He's really, you know, hardline Christian. He, you know, he's b- beautiful. Every Sunday morning, he reads his little hymns. He does a prayer. And it's, it's a really great thing. He's 90 years old. 90 years old. This guy was up on the roof the other day. And uh, what he was doing, I think he was putting up solar or something like that. And, you know, got the ladder out and did everything himself. You know, just one of these guys that's just, no, I, I don't need anybody else to do it. It's like, and so I was talking to somebody at the church here. And they said, hey, if you're having dinner with them, ask them how he's doing that ask him how you're living to 90 and you're still up on your roof putting you know doing work and fixing your generator and taking out a garden you know with all this other stuff you're doing all this other stuff he said when you talk to him ask him how he did it and i replied to him i said i already know i know because this guy has been dedicated his entire life to something greater he has been dedicated to god he had his medicine that's why he can live to 90 You know what Christ is? The universal panacea. Once again, I just made that, I started this whole live stream and we just I, we just did two live streams, like two live streams ago talking about Jesus Christ, our only hope, right? Very serious about that. This is what I mean. The next level of truth seeking is Christ, right? Because if we're trying to fix the ills in our world, we're going to need the Savior. We're going to need God Almighty. There's nothing else, nothing. You're not going to be able to sign up at trueliving.com or I'm a, I'm a real man.com or focusonhealth.com or this or that. It's all going to fall short. Mark my words. Mark them right now. Christ is the solution to our ills. He and that Christ and Christ lives within you is the universal panacea. What's the universal panacea? It's a universal medicine. It's a thing that actually, and this is exactly what we mean, we mean by the Phoenix Cycle. This is Carl Jung. It says, it is here and in this place in the human being that the greatest secret is to be found, the panacea, the universal medicine. And according to the text, fortunate indeed is the man who finds it. So all you people that are focused on health out there, right? Health first starts in your spirit. Health first starts in your mind. We know things from the placebo effect and all that sort of stuff. Why do you think these people mind spell us? Why do you think they propagandize us? Why do you think I kept saying they say, don't live in a state of despair or anxiety because that's where they want you because that is what will make you sick as a dog. You want to be healthy as God. There's the mirror. See what I did there? Ooh, funny. Anyway, so if you're looking for that universal panacea, that actual health, well, this right there, You think that's a symbol of medicine. No, it's not. Well, it is. But that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a symbol of Christ. And then we look at the medical industry and we say, how much are they perverting Christ? Matthew 20, 29, and let's finish this baby up. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Okay, what was the line before, though, when we was talking about, I came to minister, right? I, I, not to be ministered upon. Even as the Son of Man, 
That's that's 28. And then the next line is, and then they departed from Jericho. Okay, well, what is the, so we know S-O-N and S-U-N phonetically are the exact same thing. What is Jericho? Well, it's the city of the moon. That's what it means. Generally thought to be derived from the Canaanite word fragrant, but other theories hold that it originates with the Canaanite word for moon. Literally, the etymology says it's moon in turn from the verb to wander or travel. What does the moon do? As we, as we say, just once again, God gave us a cosmology. God gave us the moon to understand. What does it do? Bunch of crazy shit. It's going, is it waxing? Is it waning? Is it gibbous? Is it a crescent? Where is it rising? When is it rising? We have no idea. It travels. It wanders. Right? What does the sun do? Like clockwork. Three, six, nine, 11th hour. Right? It's like it works on clockwork. So what do we have here in this verse? As he just talked about the ministering and the medicine and the and cryptically the universal panacea, alchemy all day long, what does it say? The next lines are what? They cryptically give you what? The merging of the sun and moon. The coincidentia positorum, the alchemical wedding. The merging of the sun and the moon. Every, even as the son of man came and then they went to the moon. Jericho. Comma, a great multitude followed him. What's the great multitude? Well, for understanding our parables correctly, that's the stars in the sky. And then it says this. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to go back. <laughs> Watch this. So then 2030 says this. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they had heard that Jesus passed by, cried out saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Matthew 20, 31 says this, And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. You're speaking to Jesus Christ. He's there to minister unto you. But they cried the more, saying the exact same thing. <clears throat> Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. They say it twice. The exact same thing they say twice. When, when, once again, I've taught before that when the Bible does that, it's because they want you to focus on that. Just as a poet repeats a line, or a line is repeated in a song and a chorus because it gives it more intensity, right? Um, who taught us that? David Lee Rothstein. Anyway, sorry. Mercy, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. What is mer? Mer, mer means sea. Marine, applied to beings that are fully or partly sea creatures. Of course, we know a mermaid, right? Merman, that sort of stuff. What is a sea? Just phonetically say it. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Oh Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Sea, sea. What is the sea? It's a great body of salty water that covers much of the earth, of course, right? So when we say, when we're, he's looking, these people are looking to be purified through Christ. What are the two ways that you purify? Fire and water. Lord, have mercy on us. Well, you got water all around you. There's waters above and waters below. So Lord, have mercy on us. Have CC on us. Wash us clean of our sins. Oh, there's some math. Once again, why do you think they made it? They did it twice. Let's do the math here. And what is it going to lead you to? Exactly where it should lead you to. Lord Jesus Christ. This is exactly what they say. Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Both of those, of course, same, equal 120. And they say it twice. Well, what is that? That's two-thirds of 360. It's a reference to the Trinity once again. What? So, you know, 120 plus 120 is 240. Another 120 would be 360. That's a reference to the Trinity, right? In fact, they're leaving one part of the Trinity out. 
Well, actually, they're not because they're talking to Christ, right? That's the third part of the Trinity, the second part of the, the second person of the Trinity, if you will. What is 120? Well, it's a doctrine. It's literally a trine. It's it's specifically a reference to the number three. A trine is what? In astrology, it's an aspect of what? 120 degrees. And they're petitioning, if you will, the sun. After they just traveled with the sun and the moon, and then they give you mathematics of what? Astrology. 120. That's a trine. A doctrine is, of course, to teach, to instruct. That's why you have a doctor, right? Or you get your doctorate, right? Because you teach and instruct. Um, that 120 is also just encoded in his great and holy name. Lord Jesus Christ. Four letters in Lord, five in Jesus, and six in Christ. Just multiply that through, and you have the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Make sure I didn't miss anything here. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's it. Okay, then. Sorry. And then we're going to finish this baby up. <clears throat> Matthew 20, 32. Then he says this. And Jesus stood still. What is that? Well, first off, uh, Psalms 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. As we know, if this is parabolic, and it is, it starts with a parable, sun and moon, all of this sort of stuff. Jesus stood still. What is Jesus representing? Polaris, the pole of Aries. You know, where John and James wanted to go? What are these guys looking to do? Well, they came to Jesus because they were blind and they wanted sight. What exists in your head? your eyes. So Polaris is the still point in the heavens. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, be still and know that I am, right? I am. We only, we know that I am. So he's telling you exactly where your soul needs to go. And Jesus stood still and called them. Let's pick apart this. What, why is he calling them? Because he is the word. The head, you heard, you hear, the ear, the word. You heard the word in your ear, you hear it in your head. <laughs> right? The word, by the way, W-I-R-D, is a concept in Anglo-Saxon culture corresponding to essentially fate or personal destiny. And it also means, in a general sense, um, supernatural or uncanny. Well, that's absolutely what Christ is. Right? That's exactly, he is the, our personal fate and destiny because we all want to be reborn through him. And he's also supernatural and completely uncanny. Facts. Okay. So they heard the word. What is the word? We say this as if it's some like mystical thing that we just don't understand. What is this word thing? Oh, it has a lot of, you know, uh, symbolic manifestations and things that we can talk about the word. But what is the word? It's the stall, it's the small, still voice in your heart that's telling you exactly what you need to do. People deny it. They don't listen to it. They ignore it. They say, well, I don't know. Maybe not. They, they do everything in their power to listen to the devil as opposed to that, that voice is always telling you to stay away from that. You'll know in your heart when you're doing something that's disgusting or degenerate. God is speaking directly to you through your heart. The ear 
in your heart because he's calling out to you through the word and wants you to listen. And we, most of us ignore it. Hence, why again, there's 89 people watching. Be silent and listen to the ear. The ear in our heart. It's literally in the word. So Jesus stood still as the pole star and called out to the, the small still voice in your heart to listen. He called them and he said, what will ye that I shall do unto you? When he's at the Aries and the pole Aries and, that, and all that. They saith unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Okay. And Jesus, last verse, 20, 34. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Compassion. Let's look at the word compassion. Feeling of sorrow or deep tenderness for one who is suffering or experiencing misfortune. If Jesus has compassion and we're supposed to take up our cross and follow, should you have compassion? Is that how we should be living our life? Are we supposed to be in our head cursing people that are idiots? There's lots of them out there. Don't get me wrong. Are we supposed to take that out into the world and do that? No. Christ has given us the way, teaching us. He's instructing us through his ministry how we are to be ministers. And we're supposed to do that with compassion. What's the root word of compassion? Come means C-O-M, the root of that, the prefix, if you will, means to come together, to feel pity. But C-O-M is actually, excuse me, I'm sorry, I said that incorrectly. Passion is to suffer, to feel pity, that sort of thing. But when you talk about come, C-O-M, it means with, together, to come together, to be whole. Now we go to the word compass, which is the root of the word compassion, right? And it's based off the same thing, the prefix of C-O-M, which is what? To come together, to bring together. What does the circle do when you use a compass and draw that circle? As we see Christ doing, God doing. He draws that circle. What does the circle do? It, it encapsulates the most amount of space with the least amount of effort. It brings things together. So when we talk about that compass and that compassion, and then I come along and I say, guys, just go ahead and actually do your research in masonry. And you know what they're going to tell you? Exactly what I'm telling you right now. To the T. They'll, they'll write about it exhaustively. Problem is we got a bunch of quote unquote truthers out there that can't apparently read or don't want to read or don't want to be. This is actually what it is. This is actually what it is. They don't want to be challenged in things. They don't want to actually stand, stand back and be like, shit, maybe I was wrong about all this. They don't want to have to actually look at Christianity in its face and be like, well, I get that those people are full of shit, but is the doctrine of Christ full of shit? No, not even close. And this church is going to teach. And there'll be some people that have the ears to hear and want to listen. And there'll be people that are in that vineyard and it doesn't matter if it's the third hour or if they were there at sunrise or if they were there at the 11th hour. They'll actually be wanting to do the work. And they can see with their, their freshly clean eyes that that symbol right there is actually talking about compassion. It's actually telling you how to decode your Bible too. Second-rate truthers. That's what you're dealing with. What does that compass create? The penny that God gave you when you came down to earth. 
That's the monad. Oh Lord, son of David, we're blind and we want to see. We want you to enter into the Golgotha of the Aries, of the pole Aries in our head and take that darkness away so we can see the light. This is all spiritual. This is metaphors for spiritual rebirth. That's what it all is. I was blind. Now you can see. I was lame. Now I can walk. Oh, I had leprosy. You're cleansed. I couldn't hear. Now I was deaf. Now I can hear. I was dead. I was raised up. I was sick. I was healed. I was poor. Now I can hear the word that is the gospel. This is second to last line. Are you ready for this, guys? They saith unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. 33. (laughs) Verse 33. This is the gematria for that. They say, is this right here? What am I saying? Yeah, they say unto him, make sure I'm doing this right. They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Do you know what the gematria total of that is? Look at the bottom there. It's 153. Straight up. What's 153? It's the the proportion of the Jesus fish. Facts. Basic geometry. Go ahead and do it. You, if if two, uh, what is it? 265. The height, the width will be 153. That's where the Jesus fish comes from. That's why you see, so that gematria is 153. This is why you're given this number specifically, I think a couple of times in the Bible, uh, specifically John 21, uh, 11, where it says Simon Peter went up. Simon Peter is Aries. He went up into what? The high ram, the Aries. And drew the net to land full of great fishes and 150 and three. And for all, there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Why this specific number? Because it's referring to the fish, the proportionality of the fish. And this is funny. This comes from Got Questions. This is why you shouldn't listen to literalists and fundamentalists. Ready? This comes from gotquestions.com. There is no reason to understand the number of fish caught that morning as anything but 153 literal fish. They have no hidden meaning or symbolic significance. The meaning of 153 fish in John 21, 11 is straightforward. Their appearance in the disciples. That was not important. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> how dare, how, I don't care what you are, Christian. I don't care what denomination you are. For anybody to come and say and look at a classic work of literature and say, there's nothing hidden or deeper meanings in it is, pardon my language, but retarded. I don't care if you're going to Dante's Inferno or you're going to James Joyce's Dubliners or if you're going to, you know, the, the, the Iliad and Odyssey or if you're looking at The Grapes of Wrath. Every single one of those books that I just mentioned has incredible deep meaning. Symbolism, allegories, metaphor, everything are in those books. These people that we're railing against, if you will, are coming to the Bible and saying there's no deeper meaning. You have no business even reading the Bible then. Put it down. you got a lot more work to do. Okay? Our eyes, they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Jesus Christ opened their eyes. And what did they see? The Jesus fish. Mathematically. The Jesus fish. 
Where does that fish come from? Well, there's no deeper meaning. There's nothing else to find there. Bullhunky. Bullhunky. There's Jesus in the Vescopisis. There's Jesus nestled in that 153. In the fish. Okay? Two more and then we're out of here. 2034. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Jesus touched their eyes and what happened? He took his hands and he touched both their eyes and what happened? Their, their third eye lit up. Jesus triangulated the eyeballs. That's what he did. In order to give them sight, they were blind and all of a sudden they opened their eyes and they can see. And how do you see? Do you see, do you see with binary? No, if you're, if you're still in a binary, you're not recognizing the oneness of God. And how do we find the oneness of God? <clears throat> Through three. It's the whole Trinity thing. So how do we understand that oneness of God, that wholeness, that peace that's in the Jerusalem? How do we find that? Well, we got to triangulate. We got to triangulate. This is going to be important. We have to triangulate. I'll say it three times. So you got the two eyes in front of you and you got the one in your head and that is the one that Jesus Christ lit up. And that's why they could see. So they had to, I'll say it one more time. His eyes had to be triangulated. Now let's go to the last verse. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Do you know what this equals in English Gematria? You can do it yourself. I highly encourage you to do it. It equals 406. Let's say it again. So last verse. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Jesus triangulated those th that th the third eye, if you will. 406 is the 28th triangular number. It is the sum of the first 28 positive integers. In other words, if you triangulate 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. If you triangulate them, do you know what you get? 406. The last verse of Matthew, Matthew, so Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him 406. And what is that? It is the 28th triangular number. No joke. Literally when I was doing this, guys, literally when I was putting this together, you want to talk about magic. You want to talk about being in that flow state. I was doing, as, I, as you guys probably know, I do some of these graphics on my phone. As I was doing this, this is what, ha this is what was on my phone. I even quick grab a screenshot in it because I had to and I put ha 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 and laughed as I was creating that graphic do you know what time it was 406 and you know how much was left on my phone 33 <laughs> percent swear to god I wouldn't lie <laughs> so what is the 28th triangular what is that 28 that is triangulating to do the math yourself all you actual truth seekers out there do the math yourself. What is it? It's talking about where you got to do the work. Where the work is to be done. In the vineyard. 
God commanded you to come down here. Do the work on earth in the vessel that is the human being so that you could get your wings and fly up to heaven because you guys are good bards. You guys are good bards. Thank you to all the um, people that, that actually do watch this and stick around. We thank you. We cannot do this without you. We love doing what we're, we do. And um, it's, it's such a pleasure to be able to be a minister and to administer unto the people the good work. We need to set, we need to raise the bar and set our standards higher. The good thing is, is we've got the highest bar that we can raise to. It's already given to us. We don't have to go and seek out some schmuck over here, some guy with some theories over there. We don't need to do that. We can see where the bar that has already been set, what we need to do, deny, our, deny ourselves, follow that, take up our cross and follow it, and rise ourselves up like good birds to the pole Aries. And you can become a good bird, a subscribe star. You can become a phoenix bird, an Aquilaberg, Cygnus bird. Or you can become Tommy the Pete, my bird. That's right, Tommy. If you'd like to send any donations, once again, Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app, subscribe star. Uh, we really appreciate it. Pay, uh, PayPal as well. So thank you all to the people that do um, stop by and support. And if you'd like to um, send just even a letter or just to say thanks or anything, um, whatever, Kevin McNally, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. I uh, just want to say thank you to Content Safe for getting us on BitChute, YouTube, Rockfin, uh, Odyssey, and Rumble, and all that stuff. And we are available on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. That's right, the Earth is our cosmology. They, we are being lied to about it. It's flat and stationary. Provably. Provably. And so you can find out all about it and you can also find your friends at the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. And yes, I promote this app every Sunday. Why? Because David Weiss pays me a lot. No, he doesn't pay me shit. I just do it because it's awesome. I also promote Flattoberfest.com October 21st and 22nd in Vegas. My friend Chuck's going to be there. Are you going to be there? We want to be there, but we're trying to build a house. We can't do it. We can't afford it right now. But next year, hopefully, we'll do it. Everybody and say hi to Chuck. Everybody say hi to Chuck. Chuck's going to be there. He's a tall guy. He looks like, He's actually, by the way, he's for gonna you guys. He's going to be really tan. He's going to be very tan. <laughs> and if you guys, I don't know if you guys know this, but most people think that the original Gubbard is uh, Time of the Pete. <laughs> And in the in the <laughs> in the foul kingdom he is, but the original good bird is actually Chuck, our friend Chuck. So if you do meet Chuck at Flattoberfest, just say, "Hey, it's a good bird. It's the original good bird," and he'll be like, "I don't know what you guys are talking about. Earth's flat." Anyway, so um, you can also go to Confluence Health, Sovereignty, and Regeneration. Um, that's in uh, Bandera, Texas. That's coming up October 12th through the 15th uh, this year. If you get a chance to go, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, we really want to go, but we can't. Um, once again, just time, money, the whole bit. But a uh, great group of people. And once again, I don't get any money for supporting this or you know, you know, advertising this. You should just go because we like you to be around cool people that know shit. Okay. Anyway, church store. If you would like to support the work, lots of books. Podcast or uh, uh, all sorts of things, Bibles, rosaries, uh, things, uh, lots of things in the works too. So, um, I will say this: um, I am being, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be on the show uh, Interverse Podcast, Interforce Podcast with uh, Chase. No, his name is Chance, Chance Garden. It's Interverse Podcast, and that's going to be live tomorrow, uh, Monday. I think maybe like six or seven. I think is when he goes. 
uh, goes live, I think seven. So check that out. Chance and I had a really good conversation and there's a second hour if you'd like to support Chance over there. He's a good dude. Um, I will say this. And so, um, so yeah, check that out. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me get my shit together here. Um, I also did, uh, I had this conversation with St- uh, Stephen Carpenter of the Deftones and it turns out that... Um, that was picked up by like Rockfeed News and like Metal Injection and all this other stuff. So, and Steph Carpenter is a flat earther and he essentially kind of, you know, came out to us flat earthers and all this other stuff. And so, um, so yeah, that was posted. So this is the Rockfeed News and a recent podcast with Gnostic Academy, Deftone guitar player, Stephen Carpenter opened up about his flat earth beliefs. And so I said this, I said, as a young rock and roller, I used to dream about being featured in online rock and roll columns. I just never thought it would be like this. <laughs> so funny. And as we say at the Academy, shit's flat as fuck. Always has been and always will be. Good on Stephen Carpenter for having the balls to stand up and speak truth to power. It's the most metal thing he could have done. That guy is a heavy metal guitar player, heavy riffs. The most metal thing that that guy has ever done is come out as a flat earther. Full, full on, right? By the way, have you heard the track, This Link is Dead? We're going to listen to it right now. And uh, it's it's a fantastic song. This is how you write a metal song. Yes, this Christian minister has impeccable taste in music and loves good uh, metal. And yes, we will get to the donations. But I'm just going to warn you. I'm going to do this warning early. We're going to play a Deftone song at a church service. This is completely... <laughs> normally, this is unacceptable. This is really not fitting for a church service. So I'm just warning all of the older people that do watch. We are going to listen to some heavy metal here. We're doing it because we want to give some love to Stephen Carpenter of the Deftones for being so badass. So if you are listening and you're of the older variety and you do not want to listen to any... Or just like me. Or if you actually... Yeah. Or, <laughs> or if you have an old soul like my wife, you're going to want to shut this off now. Okay? I'm, I'm going to say it three times. You want to shut it off now? I want to shut it off now. I warned you three times. Okay. So, but uh, we're going to listen to a song called This Link is Dead from Ohms, which is Deftone's latest record. And this song is ridiculous. This, this song will make you poop yourself. Okay, all right. So we have some um, thank yous, and then we'll get out of here. Um, where are my thank yous? My lovely wife. Okay. Donations. Um, all right. Thank you last week to Angela Morris, Leah Steele, Daniel Hager, Don Shelters, Colin Gillespie, J.M. Grassi, Lisa Duran, Trevor Parrott, Jeremy Hines, and it looks like we got another good bird. So we want to thank all the good birds. You guys are fantastic we love you so much andrew masonette coming in every week just killing it you're doing the great work marty keep up the great work will do so are you that's why you're here interverse podcast 99 thank you so much alicia crawfoot jared pool thank you so much mr pool hope you enjoyed this one uh virginia dare thank you so much love you girl john vena love you brother alan woodward just because thank you so much we appreciate it so much alan corby olson 1314 from Martin Jen with love. Thank you so much. Someone bought three coffees. Shannon Seal bought 11 coffees. That I'm Shannon, after all those coffees, I'm going to have to pee. I'm not going to sleep tonight. What are you trying to do to me, girl? Thank you so much. Today is a masterpiece. Thank you for the birthday blessings. Happy birthday to you. We love you so much. Jennifer, Jennifer McLaughlin, thank you, Marty and Jen. Thank you. Gen X rated, tipped on Rockfin, 20 bucks. And Flat Earth Cracker. Tipped 20. Thanks for everything. Okay, that's going to do it, guys. I will see you next week. Like I said, we're going to try to um, we're going to try to go live again sometime on Instagram, we hope, or something like that this week and do a chat if we get a chance. But for right now, it is what it is. So we will see you next week. We're, we're going to do Matthew 20 for, 21. I think we're just going to continue on there. So, okay, that's going to do it for me. Guys, we love you so much. We thank you so much for being here. 
uh, anybody that does show up and actually pays attention and listens and, and, and sees the, the value in what we're doing, we really appreciate it. We ain't stopping. That's how it's going to be. So may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. All right, that's going to do it for me. Guys, I will see you all next time. Love you so much. And be good to one another out there, okay? As always, many blessings and much love to all. Let's freaking rock. Yeah.